0: It's Base Case 019. I'm your host, Phil. Inner Game Part 2. Last episode, I introduced Barry Green's and Timothy Galway's book, Inner Game of Music, based on Galway's Inner Game series of texts. You know, mostly sports-related, and I talked about how the business corporate world had gotten involved. This is for everybody. And the pretext of Galway's theory is that there are two selves within us. You know, self one, which is childlike, demands attention, particularly when dealing with matters that are you're unfamiliar with or have a great deal of emotional stake in, such as musical performance. You know, self one is the one that interferes with your potential and either lives in the past, reminding you of past failures, or strikes up the future and how you're not going to be successful at your endeavor because you haven't done something right or just because you're you. And self two, which lives inside of you too, expresses your potential. You know, it doesn't do a lot of talking. It does best if there's no talking to it, right? It's just when you act. You know, and I gave the example of how I was turned on to Inner Game by a percussionist I worked with. And when I asked him about it, he threw his key rings at me, and without thinking, I caught them. And the without thinking is a big component of Inner Game. Just off the top of my head, I remember my wife and I were dining at this Italian restaurant, and I brought in a bottle of wine, and the server handed me a corkscrew i was unfamiliar with you know sometimes you get thrown like that without thinking i put it on and i made the thing work without thinking self one i didn't let self one say hey wait a second you never use this Or you don't want to look like a fool wait a second what are you doing man you know maybe next time why don't you buy one and practice it and no i just did it self one is our interference you know it contains concepts on how things should be and to quote Green and Galway, it is fond of the words should and shouldn't and often sees things in terms of what could have been. You know, it lives in the past and the future and doesn't have anything to do what's happening in the moment. And that self too is that vast reservoir of potential within each of us. When self too moves or acts or gets control by not getting control, it allows us to perform with that gracefulness and ease that you've you've. Everybody has experienced it one time or another where they just do something. You know, to simplify, self one does all the talking while we're trying to perform and worse, what happens is we get into a conversation back. And with, all, with those two voices, self two can't enter the equation and sits quietly. So that unthinking state, the losing of ourselves to stop caring so much you know, and I'm talking about the concepts out of effortless mastery and free play and now inner game get lost and we have to let go. And that's the title of chapter seven of Green and Galway's book, Inner Game Letting Go. How do we shut down self one and its harmful voice? Do we, as we're driving to the gig, say, I'm not going to do any self one today? Maybe. There's eight techniques listed in chapter seven. I'm going to run down three of them. They're three that I like a lot and I use with my students. At the beginning of this chapter, I'm going to quote, the way people fall asleep is a perfect illustration of inner game principles at work. Falling asleep is something you know how to do and yet can't do it deliberately when your conscious mind is running a mile a minute. That's on page 88. The harder we work to try to fall asleep, the more that it evades us. And I can speak on years of experience of this. I'm not a good sleeper, and I need perfect conditions to fall asleep. But many of us have been there, staring at the clock, trying to go to sleep, not being able to stop thinking about stuff, including how tired I'm going to be the next day. And it's the perfect analogy of self-one, the voice, right? Hey, you're going to be tired tomorrow. Why don't you go to sleep? Just try going to sleep. Just close your eyes and go to sleep. You only got five more hours. You know, turning off self-two, you turn off the lights and you go to sleep. I can't think of how many times I've done it right. I can't think of how many times I've done it right because I'm not thinking about it. I'm going to quote the book here. The purpose of these techniques in this chapter is to deflect your attention away from self-one and allow self-two to allow you to fall asleep, which it knows perfectly well how to do. To allow self-two to fall asleep or play music or talk in front of people. You know, in this case, perform at your ability level. You know, self-two is not going to make you a, 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 an excellent musician if you haven't been practicing. You know, if you're new at it, it's going to take you to your ability and sometimes beyond it, the perceived ability ability level and beyond your perceptions of your ability level. You know, most players' caps on their ability level are usually too low. You know, we usually can play better than what we think we can. Here's another quote. When we're playing music, self one wants to instruct us, correct us, you know, fix that note. You know, hey, man, you're playing out of tune. Hey, that line's not hip enough. And generally inform us why we shouldn't trust self two. Letting go finally happens when we can give up conscious control and allow ourselves to receive and transmit the musicianship of self two. It just happens. Magical things happen when we let go. Warner talks about a gig with bassist Rufus Reed and how, also how infectious it can be to other players when one of us lets go. Think about it. Have you ever been around somebody real nervous? What happens? Suddenly you get a little bit nervous in, in musical and non-musical situations. All the music we've played and listened to is in that self too. All the music we've practiced and rehearsed is built into self too. It knows about everything. Along with fundamental characteristics that allow us to be the real person we are, when catching stuff, you know, like keys or playing an instrument, it's right there, you know. Self one is in our is a predominant up until we're about age eight, according to Galway, you know. That's the and then after that, that's when we start getting these self conscious things happening. Now, these techniques in the book are strategies that allow us to shut down self one and let self two emerge now here's technique one role-playing on page 91 this is one of my favorite ones i've used it for years it's fun and it allows self two to emerge and it kind of blankets and cuts out self self one self two comes out and it's playing it's role-playing you know for, for bass players i do i play the role of my favorite bass players You know, I think about Paul Chambers sometimes and how relaxed he looks when he plays with Miles. Check out that video of Miles doing that television show in the late 50s or early 60s, and they put the camera on Paul Chambers for a lot of it. He looks, if you didn't notice he had a bass in his hand, he'd look like a guy waiting on a bus or something. He looks so relaxed. I want that relaxed state when I play, so I think about Paul Chambers, and thus I become PC. Other times I want that sense of joy that I see when I watch Christian McBride play, you know, I've never seen a bass player that smiles so much. And with such genuine happiness, I was watching him play with Chick Corea and I had third row seats and the guy smiled for the entire 75 minute set. He was enjoying himself. He wasn't thinking about it. He was total self too, right? And I use this sometimes to remind myself how fortunate I am to be a musician and not think about how tired I am or maybe I don't want to be here tonight. You know, think about thinking about Christian McBride and that smile of his. The third one I use is John Patitucci, You know, the way he throws his entire body into this music. I've seen him play several times. His head bobs, his legs bounce. He literally dances with the instrument, whether he's playing electric or double bass. You know, I need that reminder that my body has to be involved with, with the music, particularly if I'm playing like a samba or a piece with intense syncopation. He does it without any kind of self consciousness. So you know he's total self too when he's doing that. And these are physical aspects, you know, looking calm like P.C., smiling like Christian McBride, you know, dancing and, and tapping my foot and bobbing my head like Patatucci. Maybe you just want to draw off some sort of uh, mental aspect, you know, thinking about how cool Miles Davis is, you know, that cool detachment. Maybe that helps you shut down self What? But be play the role of that bass player. Barry Green gives a... a a small antidote in there and was having a violinist play a Bach piece and the violinist was having all kinds of trouble and he went over to her and says, who's your favorite violinist? And she told him the violinist she liked, he says, be that person, you know, step into that role. And immediately the way she played changed. You know, the idea of this exercise is to allow yourself to more of your hidden musicianship by playing the way your favorite performer plays. You know that person. I mean, Like I said, I've watched Christian McBride and Patitucci play numerous times. I've watched and listened to Paul Chambers. That was all I listened to when I first started doing that. You know, here's another one. I do this one. Play a B-flat blues and listen to the way Ray Brown, you know, he brings in that tone and time, only the way Ray Brown brings in quarter notes. You know, there's something dead solid perfect about the way he does it, and I think about that. So role play. You know, you choose your role. It's got to be something you like. It's got to be somebody you like. You know, maybe it's not a musician. Maybe it's a football player. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you see, C.D. Lamb, the way he catches the ball, the way he's so relaxed, I think about that as a bass player, you know, and he's doing something very physical. It's something that physical, running down the field with defenders chasing you and in front of you, certainly I can be that relaxed playing a string bass, right? Technique six. Letting go to overload. In this section of the book, it's the idea to overload the sen- senses and the brains. You know, overload sen- overload self-want. You know, I do this with myself sometimes if I feel that the time is getting away from me and I want to think about it. If something's not ha- happening, maybe something is... Uh, uh, distracting me, and I've got to get back in there. So I'll start counting the beats in the measure, you know, while I'm walking line one, two, three, four, four, boom, two, three, four, you know, one, two, triple, 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 boom, two, three. Four. I'll start counting vocally my lines, singing my lines. You know, I have my students do the same thing if I feel they're losing concentration. Uh, or I might have him call out the changes on the downbeat of each measure, B-flat, E-flat, E-flat. And it allows the sense to start focusing on something beside that self won stuff of, hey, man, you're not doing it right, or this isn't hip enough, or this sounds bad. You know, self one can't talk over this. And, that, and in another respect, it's even more valuable. It's something we should be doing. Singing aloud, the lines we are playing, is really connecting us to the music. You know, if you know the lines, the singing is easy. You know, like Satin Doll. You know, let's say I got called to do that. You know, so I pick up the bass, and, and under my under the volume of a ba- bass, if I'm playing the head, dee ba doo doo da be do da, be ba do dop do dop de, do, de um boom ba, de, do 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 and i'm bringing my mental aspect into it and there's no way that self one can jump in and go hey wait a second you're not doing it right right singing the melody while playing a bass line connects me to the music i can sing the changes too in a two feel d G, D, G, E, A, E, A, A, D, D, A flat, D flat, C, F, E, A. You know, I'm singing what's happening. I'm completely connected to it. You know, I don't have to stand there with my mouth closed all the time. That's another episode in the future. That's a little taste of it, but it's good for you to do that. Think about that voice, you know. That's the voice, the real voice that's connecting to the music. You know, self one, like I said, can't jump in because it can't transmit over that. So think about that, singing the lines. The last one I'll go into is technique eight, and it's letting go to the impossible. This is one of my favorite ones to do with my students and myself. Now in this section, Barry Green is taking tennis lessons with Galway, and Tim asks him to do. He says, "Go to the impossible." And Galway tells Barry Green to stand at the net and that Tim's going to take some shots, fire some balls at him. And he warns him. He says, I want you to do everything you can to hit these. But these balls are going to be coming in high and fast and wide. And they're going to be impossible to hit. But. Commitment Barry has to make is that you've got to make a maximum effort to hit these balls, and at first Barry, you know, he was watching these balls flying over him. And he barely did anything, and Tim goes, over there he goes, I need you to jump like it's for your life, right?" So the third time he fires a ball for him, and Barry jumps, makes the leap of his life, and the rack top of the racket clips the ball, right. So he's finding something. It's not what you think. You know, I'll quote from the book. When you have no intention of succeeding, but let go to the impossible, impossible things sometimes happen. Now, I do this with my students in both private lessons and combo and J.E. In private lessons, when the student gets to the point that she or he can walk a B flat blues baseline over changes, you know, which is like at, we do it at a medium tempo of 120, I'll kick it to 180 and tell him to go for it. And it's the same thing. I'll say, don't. Drop away. You've got to totally commit to this, you know, and it's and it's the same thing that happens with Barry Green. The first couple of times they throw their arms up, you know, and I say no, let's try it again. And once they commit to it, it's amazing. They'll play it down with few errors if they commit and let go to the impossible. Uh, and it goes back to what I said earlier. Our potential is much greater than we give ourselves credit for. We cap it at a much lower level. I'll do it in combo. You know, I'll have the entire band play something like Now's the Time, but bring up, bring it up 40 or 50 clicks. And they're surprised because there's always a couple that are game for it, so the band has to fall into it. We did it in JE recently. You know, we were playing uh, Recorder May by Eric Richardson. And I took the tempo up right before the concert while we were warming up. And I saw the look of the surprise, but everything held. You know, there was that group dynamic of 22 guys doing it, right? These larger groups get to it faster because of that group dynamic herd mentality. So try that. It's very good. You know, if you're used to, and I'm always talking about a default walking tempo that most bass players have. You know, it's like, hey, walk and have blues, and it'll be right there in that sweet spot about 130. I'll go, no, no, wait a second and kick it up to 180 and say, do what you can. And it's amazing what's there, okay? Now this, you know, I've given you a little taste of these books, and I recommend you checking them out because there's a lot more to them, you know? I'm giving, if Barry Green or uh, Nakmanovich or Kenny Warner hears these, please know I'm just giving a superficial view of them. I want students and bass players to check these books out. Okay, I'll talk to you soon.